to have you fill it out. You could place it in the offering box in the back. We'd like to connect with you, get to know you. Um, and, you know, this week uh, we're starting some prayer and fasting. Now, normally I like to pray and fast when it's warmer outside. I don't like to pray and fast in the cold. But we're going for three nights, and I will be down here every night. You can come join me and pray with me. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm doing it for me. I feel like, you know, at the crucial time, the beginning of the year, is a great time to seek the Lord, and I know he's doing some things in me. We were singing that song about the chains coming off, man. And I've just felt like the Lord's been delivering me personally of some things. So I'm excited to seek his face. I would challenge you to pray. Seek the Lord with us. We'll be here. Uh, we'll be drinking warm tomato soup, maybe. <laughs> but we will be here. It will be a good night for chicken broth uh, this next week. That's going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Now, I, um, I, I get to introduce my friend Chris again. Um, and, you know, it's a funny thing. I got to travel to Pakistan with Chris, and then we always mention our friend Joel. And no one knows who Joel is. It's the funniest thing. So Joel's in the back row. Can you give us, can you, uh, uh, yeah. You know, the best thing about going to Pakistan with Joel is he doesn't want any attention. So we get to this crowd with like, you know, 60,000 people. And, and they, in Pakistan, they just give you flowers for everything. And Chris is used to it. He's probably had millions of flowers thrown at him by this time. So Joel had to go up there. He had to wave to the adoring masses. He was not happy. He wasn't feeling very good. <laughs> But it was really a life-changing thing, I think, for both Joel and I to experience that with Chris. I have had so many people who were like, man, I would just love to have that experience and see what life is like in a different place. And even my mom said something profound to me. She said, you have to have the grace of God to do that. God, only God could open up doors for that to take place. That, that's totally supernatural. I've seen it. And when you put your life on the line, you know, Chris shared one of his stories about uh, one of the first times over there, he was going to preach, and there was a man dressed in full taliban Pakistani garb. I can't tell the difference, but they can over there. And he had an AK-47, and the thought came into your mind, this could be it, and how am I going to go down? And he decided to preach the gospel, and I thought that was the most profound thing. It's really an incredible experience. So I want to just say one thing here, and I'm going to hand the, the pulpit over. You know, uh, <laughs> Chris wanted to come up in January because he wanted to go snowmobiling. And this year, there is no snow, but it would snow tonight. <laughs> so next week's going to be really cold, though, like 20 below on Sunday. So I'm grateful that he's here. And I'm telling you, this is a great turnout for the conditions and the weather. And uh, I'm just excited. And I know what's on his heart tonight. I'm looking forward to that. So I love Chris. I love his sincerity and his integrity. And, and uh, I'm going to give you the pulpit here, man. We love you. It's good to have you here. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus tonight. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, give him a big shout, a big praise. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you that you are King and Kings, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. We worship you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you, this is your first time ever hearing me speak? A couple people. All right, all right. That's good. That's good. Um, it's, it's great to be here. I come to you all the way from Orlando, Florida. So, uh, that's why I wanted to go snowmobiling because we don't have snow obviously in Florida, but, uh, I thought, Hey, if I could be out here in January, you know, hit, hit two birds with one stone. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago I called Yellowstone and said, how much, you know, want to rent a snowmobile? They said, we don't even have snow. So I didn't obviously book a snowmobiling trip. But uh, praise God, it's snowing out. Amen. And we're in the house of the Lord. Amen. And uh, that's what's most important. Well, listen, I know that you're, I was going to say the same thing Jordan said, that you must be the hungry crowd if you came out on a snowy night in Billings, Montana. Amen. And so uh, I, I love people that are hungry for Jesus. And uh, that's what it's all about. And so I felt tonight, and well, even Jordan and I were talking uh, leading up to this, and, and I was kind of wanting to, whenever I come and speak somewhere, I want to get the heart of the pastor and what the pastor's, you know, heart is for me coming in. Because as an evangelist, you know, uh, I'm not a pastor. You know, somebody once said um, that, uh, oh, now I'm going to mess it up if I say it, because I wasn't planning to say it. But the, the pastor's job is to comfort those that are disturbed, the evangelist's job is to disturb the comfortable. 
So we have a little bit of a different uh, gifting, uh, the pastor and the evangelist, but we work together hand in hand for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. And so one of the what, you know, when you look at the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher that the apostle Paul taught us in Ephesians chapter 4, he talked about the fivefold ministry apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. The Bible says that they are for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Right, and so part of our job in the fivefold is not just to not just to operate in our gifting. You know, as an evangelist, it's not just to go out and evangelize; it's to equip the saints to evangelize. Amen. And so, uh, Pastor Jordan and I were talking, and he was like, "Man, I'd really love for you to just activate people tonight in how to share their faith with other people." Amen. Amen. How many of you feel comfortable sharing your faith with other people? Okay, wow. I'm actually very surprised. Normally, is like very less, a lot less. But, um, but I'll tell you, that's, that's awesome. So I want to, uh, I know, I think last time I, we taught a little bit on this as well. But, uh, but I want to just give you some keys tonight in sharing your faith. I remember when I first got saved, I was very passionate about telling people about Jesus. And uh, I had this radical conversion from drugs and alcohol into just freedom and, and Jesus and serving the Lord. And I remember telling my wife one day, we were brand new Christians. And if you're taking notes, stop taking notes right now. But we, were, we had just gotten saved. And there was somebody I knew that I thought they weren't saved and I was going to get them saved. And so I devised a plan on how I was going to get this person saved. Now, I, he, he lived in a different state, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to give him a call, and I'm going to say this and this and this, and he's probably going to get saved, you know, and this was my plan. Now, I was a brand new Christian. I had no clue what I was doing. Amen. That's why I say don't take notes. And uh, I told Amanda my plan, you know, and she thought, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, you should do that. And so I executed my plan perfectly. I called this person up, and this is what I said to them. If you don't get saved, you're going to die and burn in hell. And the phone went silent. And I thought, what did I just do? And I was like, so how's the weather going over there? You know, like, I'm like, man, that was dumb. That didn't work. Why did, why did I say it like that? Like, that just didn't, it sounded a whole lot better in my mind. And, and I learned right away that I needed some tools to know how to tell people about Jesus effectively. Amen. Now, what did, did, did what I say theologically, was it theologically true? Yeah, of course. If you don't get saved, we all, you know, people will die and go to hell. But the reality is my method for sharing and communicating the gospel was not very effective. Why? The, the gospel is not you're just going to die and go to hell if you don't get saved. Amen. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what the gospel is and how to share the gospel. Now, fast forward a few years, and uh, I'm in Bible school. I'm telling people about Jesus. I, I, um, in, in Bible school, I went to a school in Dallas called Christ for the Nations Institute. It's a, a school that focuses on missions. Um, I didn't go there for that reason. Uh, just somebody told me about it, and we prayed about it, and we'd never heard of it, and we just felt like to go, so... We wound up in Dallas at Christ for the Nations Institute. I'd only been saved like two years, and I'm in Bible school. And so I decided, you know what, um, there was this long list of uh, student ministries that, that were volunteer ministries. Every student had to volunteer for that semester to be on one of those student ministries. So there was a long list. I'm going down the list trying to figure out which one am I going to pick. So I, you know, I'm starting at the top, and I'm like, worship leader. I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, you don't want to hear me sing. Praise the Lord. So that one's out. You know, flag wavers. No, I'm not, I'm not doing the flag wavers, you know. And uh, prophetic dance. No, I'm not doing that one, you know. And so I'm going down the line, and all of a sudden I see street evangelism on there. And I thought, Man, I would love to do that just simply to learn how to tell people about Jesus. Because I, I wanted to tell people about Jesus, but I knew I was highly ineffective. Amen. 
And so I signed up for Street Evangelism, and they taught us how to communicate the gospel and how to tell people about Jesus. And I remember that going out on my first outreach, and uh, actually my first outreach, I was so scared of talking to anyone. Can you imagine? I was incredibly timid of even talking to somebody about Jesus. You know, now I shout Jesus everywhere I go. Amen. But uh, I was so timid, and, um, and uh, I, all I did was the whole night I followed another evangelist around and listened to him talk to people about Jesus. And I said nothing the whole night because I was so afraid of talking about Jesus in public. And, um, and I learned that evangelism is simple. Say that tonight, evangelism is simple. That's the title of my message tonight. Evangelism is simple. It's simply telling people about Jesus. It's not even telling them about their sin. Amen. Because everyone realizes that they have sin. Even different religions realize that there's sin and, you know, there's different things like that in different religions that communicate the the fact that people have sin or evil or these type of things. The reality of the gospel is not that we all just sin, but there is a Savior that came and died for our sins and rose from the dead and gives us salvation. Amen. Amen. That's the reality of the gospel. And so it's not just sin, it's sin and salvation. Amen. It's, it, it, it's, it's sin and a Savior. Amen. And so I want to give you guys some keys tonight and just telling people about Jesus because it's very, very simple. And as I mentioned this morning, this is the moment. I really believe we are in the last days. I believe Jesus is about to return. And there's one thing Jesus wants more than anything, and it's people. He wants people. He died for people. And people is what Jesus wants. And I believe that it's high time we get out there and start telling people about Jesus. Let me try the congregation on this side. <laughs> Did I ever talk about uh, spiderweb evangelism? You don't know? Spiderweb evangelism. Again, don't take notes. <laughs> spiderweb evangelism is how we've been doing evangelism in America for a very long time. Do you know how a spider works? A spider will find the perfect corner of a perfect intricate web. Every strand is right where it needs to be. Every, it's just perfectly symmetrical and, and everything is just right. And when he builds the most beautiful, perfect uh, web, he crawls into the middle of the web and he waits. What is he waiting for? He's waiting for some poor insect to come flying through the air and get caught in his web, and when he does, the spider pounces on him and sucks all the life out of him. Now this is how the church has been doing evangelism for way too long. Present, present company excluded, amen. But the church, by and large, has been doing this method of evangelism. We find the perfect intersection on the busiest highway, once we found the perfect intersection, we buy it and we build the most intricate, beautiful, perfect uh, church facility. And once we've built the perfect church, all the people climb into the church and they wait. And they wait. And what are they waiting for? They're waiting for some poor, unsuspecting sinner to come stumbling through the door. And when he does, the pastor pounces on him. And I'm afraid to say most of the time... He sucks all the life out of him. <laughs> now, this is how we've been doing evangelism, by and large, in America, in the American church today. And I know your pastor is not a pastor like that. I know this isn't a church like that. But I'm just telling you, it's high time we start preaching the gospel and we take the gospel out of the church, out of the four walls of the church, and we take it out to the streets where it belongs in Jesus' name. Amen. That's where it belongs. It belongs out there. It's for the people out there. Amen. Let me find this quote from Spurgeon. 
I wasn't going to share it, but now I feel to share it. Let me see if I can find it in my notes. Ah, here we go. Spurgeon once said, we have too many pastors who are feeding giraffes when there are so many sheep living in our world who also need to hear the gospel. Pastors and teachers need to teach the intellectual things about the Bible, but sinners need to hear the simplicity of the gospel that Jesus Christ saves. Hallelujah. Amen. That's all that it is. It's not about, listen, a lot of times when we think about talking to people about Jesus, we're like, oh my goodness, I don't know all the answers. And what if they ask me some theological questions or the end times and, you know, eschatology. I'm like, I don't know all of that stuff. It's simple. It's simple. It's just telling them about Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Amen. Jesus is the answer. And so you don't need to have all the other answers because he is the answer. Amen. And so I want to I just light a fire tonight in you to tell people about Jesus. Amen. Evangelism is simple. I remember doing an outreach one time when I first started doing evangelism on the streets of Dallas. We would go often to the train stations and the bus stations. I love preaching at the train stations and the bus stations because uh, the people can't run away from you until the bus or the train gets there. Hallelujah. You have a captivating, uh, captive crowd, whether they want to be captive or not. Amen. And so we uh, above ground train system. And so we would go to the train stations and, and uh, tell people about Jesus. And I remember one night uh, we were in downtown Dallas in the, in the uh, we would go down every Saturday night into downtown Dallas, and we'd tell people about Jesus. And we'd be out there sometimes till 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, people out there wasted, drugs, alcohol, and, and we'd just minister to people. And God would touch people, and people would get saved, and people would get uh, set free, and we'd pray for people for healing, and people would get uh, healed. And we just saw God doing miracles. How many of you realize that the gospel still works outside the four walls of the church? Amen. That's where it actually started working. Amen. They didn't have churches when Jesus was alive. His disciples didn't have Jesus, uh, churches initially. Amen. They brought the gospel out to the world where everyone else was. And so I remember going up to a guy one time, and I said to him, I said, hey, bro, I'm just down here telling people about Jesus. And this is my method for telling people about Jesus. I always ask them, uh, and don't, you don't have to put up the slide yet, but in a little bit I'll tell you to put up the slide. But I always tell them, I always ask, what do you know about Jesus? And so I walked up to this guy, I said, hey, bro, what do you know about Jesus? And he goes, oh, man. You down here telling people about Jesus? I said, yeah, bro, I'm down here telling people about Jesus. What do you know about Jesus? He goes, man, I'm a, I'm a PK. I'm a, my, my dad is a pastor of a church down the street, not too far, and I'm down here getting drunk, getting high, living wild, living crazy, and now you come up to me and tell me about Jesus? I said, yeah, bro, come on. Jesus loves you. Hey, Jesus cares about you he died to set you free you don't have to live this way anymore he said man i know it i know god's after me and i know i need to get right with god and i said come on bro why don't you get right with god tonight right here right now in jesus name will you pray with me he said yes i'll pray with you i mean we barely even said 20 words to each other and he got saved right there. He rededicated his life to the Lord. I said, come on, bro, can I take you to church tomorrow morning? He said, nope, you can't take me to church. I'm going to my dad's church tomorrow. And I'm telling my dad how I've been living and that I last night I had an encounter with God and that I'm not going to live that way anymore in Jesus' name. Come on, isn't that awesome? Amen. Evangelism is simple. Amen. It's simple. It's just simply telling people about Jesus. Hallelujah. Mark 16 here tells us the Great Commission, Mark's version of the Great Commission. And I love it here. It says in, in Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world. 
and preach. Somebody say preach. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Evangelist Reinhard Bonnke always used to say that an unpreached gospel is no gospel at all. The gospel must be preached. One of the worst quotes I've ever heard in my whole life was a quote by an old saint called St. Francis of Assisi. And he used to say that, uh, oh my goodness, no, I'm not remembering it. I think I have it in my notes somewhere. Um, let me find it here, because I wasn't planning to say this either, but I think it's important to say. Hallelujah. Are you happy tonight? Amen. Here we go. He said, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. When necessary, use words. It's always necessary to use words to preach the gospel. His point was to live your life according to the gospel. Well, yeah, I 100% agree. We should always live our life according to the gospel, but we should also always live our life preaching the gospel because an unpreached gospel is no, is no gospel at all. Evangelist Bunky also used to say that, that the gospel is like water. No man invented it, but every man needs it. Hallelujah. Everyone needs the gospel. And so, a lot of times when we think about preaching the gospel, Jesus commissioning his disciples to go out and preach, you might say, but Chris, I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to, how to do that. My friends, you don't have to preach it. You just have to share it. Amen. Amen. You don't have to necessarily preach. Just share the gospel. That's what Jesus is really communicating here in Mark 16, that we should share the gospel everywhere we go. And so I want to give you some, some keys tonight in how we can do that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If we're going to share the gospel, we need to know what the gospel is that we should share. Amen. And so a lot of times when we think about the gospel and what the gospel is, one of the most famous verses, son, that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so I would agree that that really communicates the heart of the gospel. But Paul actually gives us an actual definition, a, a Bible definition of the gospel. And so it's found here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if we read here in verse 1, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. And so what he's saying here is he's saying, I declare or I declared to you the gospel. And, and he's going to talk a little bit here, and then he's going to define what that gospel was that he declared to the Corinthians. So he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which you are saved. So he's saying, I preached the gospel to you, you received it, and you got saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first that which I also received. So now he's defining what that gospel was that he preached to them that they received and got saved. This is the definition that Paul gives us of the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. If you don't know what the gospel is or how to communicate it, it's simply this, Jesus Christ died for our sins, he rose from the dead, and that's it, according to the scripture. Jesus Christ died, he was buried, on the third day he rose from the dead according to the scripture. Now there's several aspects of this that are incredibly important, number one, who died for our sins? Amen. 
Christ died for our sins. So we have to preach Jesus. Everywhere we go, we have to tell people about Jesus. He is the Savior. A lot of people believe in uh, repentance, but even Muslims believe in repentance. They believe in turning from sin. So it's not just, we can't just preach repentance. We can't just preach, we'll stop doing bad things and start doing good things. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died for the sin of the world, that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead according to the scripture. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what separates Christianity from every other religion. Christ. It's Christ. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Amen. That's why when I go to Pakistan, I don't preach about Islam. I don't preach about the Quran. I don't preach about Muhammad. I don't pull up debates. I preach Jesus. Hallelujah. So in Africa, it's around her bunky one time. They said, Evangelist Bunky, when you go to... His ministry was mostly in Africa, and he was about to do a big crusade in India. And they asked him, they said, how do you change your message to preach the gospel in India versus preaching in, Pac- in Africa? And Evangelist Bonke said, oh, I don't change the gospel. It is the same in Africa as it is in India. Hallelujah. <laughs> that was my best Bonke impersonation. Amen. That German accent. Amen. I don't change the gospel. It's the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. It's not a debate. Hallelujah. It's just the gospel. If that's all you know, you have more than enough to tell people about Jesus. That's all we need. He died for our sins. No one else in human history died for the sin of the world and rose from the dead and is still alive today. Hallelujah. And that's why the resurrection is part of the gospel. Amen. Because Muslims believe that, some Muslims even believe that Jesus went to the cross, but they believe that somehow he didn't actually die on the cross and therefore he didn't rise from the dead. The resurrection is incredibly important to Christianity because if Jesus died for the sin of the world but he never rose from the dead, then there is no salvation. There's no eternal hope. There's no eternal security. Hallelujah. But because Jesus rose from the dead, we can live also. We can have eternal life just as he is alive today. Hallelujah. And so salvation is not just that he died for our sins, but that he was buried and that he also rose from the dead. Amen. The other aspect is that we see in there is sin, right? Jesus didn't just die for the sake of dying. He died for our sin. If we don't talk about sin, then we cannot talk about salvation. A lot of times when you go to some churches, uh, present church excluded amen but many other churches they never want to talk about sin ever and, and i'm and i'm a, i agree like let's we don't have to have every message be like beating people over the head about their sin amen we all realize that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god but in you if you're going to get people saved you have to communicate with them that sin is the issue right jesus christ died for the sin of the world. He was buried and he rose from the dead. You see, sin is the issue with all of humanity. Sin is the issue. And there's only talk about when who died for the sin of the world. His name is Jesus. So we have to talk about when we tell people about Jesus that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is the issue. Evangelist, again, I, I'm sorry I talked so much about Evangelist Bonky, but you know, when you work for him and you travel around the world with him for so many years, you know, you pick up on everything that he says, and I just happen to believe that he's probably one of the greatest evangelists to ever live. Uh, his ministry, he passed away when he was 79 years old. At that time, his ministry had led. 79 million people to Jesus in face-to-face meetings, not including television, face-to-face. So, you know, Billy Graham didn't do that, not even close in face-to-face meetings. 
he reached a lot more people through TV, but not through face-to-face meetings. And so, um, and so anyway, um, Billy, uh, so Reinhard Bonnke used to say um, that, that sin is like, sin is the issue. And so if you go to the doctor and you have an issue, you go to the doctor, and oftentimes what the doctor will, will tell you is that uh, you need this pill or this medication to fix this issue. And so you go to the doctor. He says, you tell him, I've got this issue. He subscribes you a pill for your issue. And then a lot of times he would say, Evangelist Punky would say, that that would give you some sort of crazy side effect. And so you go back to the doctor, and then he'd prescribe you another pill for the side effect. And then pretty soon you get a side effect from that pill, and so then you get another pill for that side effect and pretty soon you have a pill for a pill for a pill for a pill and evangelist bonky would always say that the issue with humanity is sin and the answer is the gospel hallelujah (laughs) hallelujah the gospel is the answer amen and there's no side effects from the gospel amen hallelujah it's just salvation it's just freedom amen and so we have to tell people the gospel. And so those are the main elements that we have to have. And then the other thing that, that I, I've, I find very interesting here is that Paul says twice, he says that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scripture. Why is that important? Because It's not, we don't preach our own authority. We don't preach from our own strength. We preach from the word of God, the authoritative word of God, the holy word of God, that it lasts forever, the eternal word of God. That is our source. And so when I tell people about Jesus, I'm very conscious to tell them about what the Bible says. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short. It's not just Chris coming to you and saying, you've all fallen sinner and you need salvation. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short. And the Bible goes on to say that for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. And the Bible goes on to say that, that, um, that the penalty for our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so you see, the power is not in just Chris quoting whatever he wants to quote, but that I am bringing that word of God to that person and telling them the word of God says, the Bible says, now all of a sudden you have authority, not because uh, you are some authoritative person, but because you're bringing the word of God to them. Hallelujah. And the word of God lasts forever. Amen. And I find it interesting Have you ever thought about how interesting it is that Jesus is the Word of God? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Jesus is the Word of God. And so when you are communicating the gospel, make sure you tell them what the Bible says because that's where the power is. You're not just communicating uh, letters uh, from from 2,000 years ago. You're literally speaking Jesus to them. Amen. You're communicating Jesus to them by telling them, the Bible. And so, number one, evangelism is simple. Number two, you just have to have a plan. Amen. We just have to have a plan. How are you going to tell somebody about Jesus? Now, I usually introduce myself to somebody. I'll say, hi, my name is Chris. Amen. People, you know, it, it kind of helps if you're going to tell the gospel, share the gospel with somebody to first at least introduce yourself to them. So you introduce yourself to them. Let them know, hey, I, I, you know, I go to this church in, in Billings called Bethany Church, and we're just out telling people about Jesus today. My evangelism method, I, I might have shared this last time, I can't remember, but it's worth repeating. When I first, God first gave me my method for telling people about Jesus, it came because we were doing evangelism at an apartment complex in the hood in Dallas, Texas. 
it was one of these complexes where, you know, there's bars on the windows, and I mean, it was a bad neighborhood. And uh, so we're going door to door and through this neighborhood, uh, through this apartment complex, and we kept knocking on the doors, and no one wanted to answer the door. And I knew that they were there because I could see the blinds, you know, opening and somebody peeking out, and then they'd shut the blinds, and then they would not answer the door. I didn't know if, like, they thought I was the police or, you know, I didn't know what was going on. But no one would answer the doors, and I was getting very frustrated. I went to so many doors, and no one would answer the door. And even when somebody would answer the door, they'd just yell from the other side, who is it? And I'd say, I'm Chris. I'm here to tell people. Uh, I'm, I'm from this Bible school over uh, in, in our neighborhood, you know, and I just want to talk to you about Jesus. And they'd say, go away. And I just kept getting, like, so frustrated and and all of a sudden, I decided maybe I should pray about it. Amen. How, how many of you think that might be a good idea? Amen. should probably pray when something's going wrong. And so I prayed, and I said, Lord, no one will answer the door. How do I get them to answer the door? And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to do a survey. I thought, well, that's a good idea, Lord. A survey. So I went to the next door, and I knocked on the door, and, and it was me and a friend of mine. We always went two by two. And uh, I knocked on the door, and some lady yelled from the other side of the door, Who is it? And I said, My name is Kristen, and I'm here to do a survey. She said, A survey? And she opened the door right up. And I thought, Wow, that was awesome. It worked. And then I thought, Well, Lord, you never told me what the survey was. Now I'm in trouble. And all of a sudden, it came to me. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Tell her it's a one-question survey. And so I said, I just, it's a one-question survey, ma'am. She said, what's the question? I said, the question is, what do you know about Jesus? That became the very first point in how I lead people to Jesus. I use three questions. I know I shared this with you guys last time, but I don't know, you might have forgotten, but I, I want to throw up that slide on the screen if we can. Do we have it? Yeah. What do you know about Jesus? That first, just look at that first question. It is incredibly important. Don't ask them where they go to church. Don't ask them if they're saved. Don't ask them if they're a Christian. Because even if they're not a Christian, they'll just tell you that they are a Christian or that they think they're a Christian. Amen. If you ask them that question, it is a question, it is an open-ended question. It's not, are you saved? Yes or no. If you ask them that question, what do you know about Jesus? They have to actually communicate something more than yes or no. Amen. What do you know about Jesus? Well, uh, I always bring it back to Jesus. It, the gospel is about Jesus. Amen. It's about Christ. Amen. What do you know about Jesus? Well, so I asked this lady. I said, lady. Uh, I didn't say lady, I, but I, I said to her. Lady, what do you know about Jesus? <laughs> Hallelujah. Sounds like I'm from Minnesota. Amen. <laughs> well, I actually am, praise the Lord, originally. I said to her, I said, I said it's just a one-question uh, survey. What do you know about Jesus? You know what she said to me? This is Dallas, Texas, the belt buckle of the Bible belt. She says to me, I don't know a whole lot about Jesus. And I said, well, can I tell you what I know about Jesus? Question number two. She said, well, sure. Right there at her door at this apartment complex in the middle of the hood, I started telling her about Jesus. And I just told her the gospel. I said, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that God loves us so much and I didn't, sometimes you can communicate the gospel without having to know the exact quotes of the gospel, amen? So I communicated John 3.16 without actually quoting John 3.16. I said, God, I didn't say, God so loveth the world that he sendeth his only begotten, no, 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 old King James, right? I just said to her, I said, God loves you so much 
that he didn't want you to die and go to hell, so he sent his son Jesus to die in your place and to rise from the dead. And if you'll turn to Jesus today, he'll save you. That's about all I communicated. It might have been a little bit longer than that, but that's basically all I communicated. That Jesus, that God loves us so much, he didn't want us to die and go to hell. And so he devised a plan to send Jesus who'd never sinned, who lived a sinless, spotless life. He died for your sin. He took your sin upon him so that your sins could be forgiven because God wants to forgive your sins. And so he sent Jesus to forgive you of your sins. He died in your place and he rose from the dead. And if you'll put your faith in Jesus today and you'll ask him to save you and to forgive you, he'll save you and he'll forgive you today. That's about all I communicated then I ask the last question. Do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And right there at her doorstep, she said yes to Jesus. We reached across the doorstep, the threshold of the door, grabbed her hand, and we prayed for her. And that day, that woman got born again in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. The evangelism is simple. So I... I always ask the first question so that I can ask the second question. The second question is the one I really want to get to. Can I tell you what I know about Jesus? In Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul says that the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for them that believe. So the gospel is the power of God. The power for salvation is the gospel. If we don't share the gospel, there's no power. And so I want to share the gospel with people, but how do I share the gospel with them? I ask that first question. What do you know about Jesus? I don't care. They could tell me Jesus was a Martian from Mars, from outer space. I don't really care what they say. I'm not going to let the devil get me into, you know, some weird, crazy debate. Amen. Or the power. You know, I don't even care how they answer. I just want to tear, share the gospel because that's where the power is. And when you share the gospel, just the simplicity of the gospel, there's power in it. Amen. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the power of the gospel. I remember a pastor telling me when I first got saved, he was a hippie. And uh, he would go to all the, you know, all the, uh, what was the, I don't even remember the big, uh, Woodstock. He would go to Woodstock, and he, I think he actually got saved at Woodstock. Um, but he was telling me he was at this other hippie convention one time, and, and they were strung out on all kinds of drugs, and they were in some, you know, Indian-looking tent, teepee type thing and 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 they were doing all these drugs and uh he grew up he knew all about jesus and uh he knew all about the gospel i think i think his dad was actually a pastor but he was running from god and he was totally out there in sin totally in bondage not even right with god in any way shape or form he got incredibly high that day and uh this girl that was with him in the tent asked him about salvation or heaven or something and he communicated the gospel while he was high and she got saved and born again from a drug from a guy that was on drugs it can happen why because the gospel is independent of the messenger the gospel is independent. It's not about you being perfect enough to share it. If it was up to you to be perfect enough, then Jesus never would have had to die in the first place. Amen. The gospel is independent of the messenger. We are just the carriers. We are just broken vessels that Jesus uses to spread the gospel everywhere we go. Amen. Amen. And so she ended up getting radically saved that day. From a guy who was strung out on like heroin or something. Praise the Lord. A heroin evangelist. Amen. Now I don't suggest being a heroin evangelist. Amen. But God can use us no matter what condition we're in. Amen. You don't have to be perfect enough to share the gospel. It's all about Jesus. And so I want to just encourage you. Use this everywhere you go. When I got that, um, when, when I led the Navy SEAL guy to the Lord, that was the first question I asked him. 
what do you know about Jesus? You know, and then we started talking. He started opening up to me about Catholicism and leaving that and turning to Islam and, and then leaving that, leaving that. And, uh, and, and you know, and I, I, I asked him eventually, I asked him, hey, well, can I tell you what I know about Jesus? Yeah, sure, right there in my, at my lawn, you know, on my, on my lawn, right outside my front step. And I started telling him about Jesus. And then I asked him eventually, do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? About, sure enough, right there, he got born again on my doorstep. So keep it about Jesus. Amen. Keep it Jesus-centered. Jesus is the answer. Somebody say amen. I've got a bunch more points here, but I just feel, I'm just going to share one more story with you, because stories are very powerful, I feel like. You know, like, Jesus loved to use stories. You say, well, what if they don't get saved? What if they don't get born again? You know, what if you, you tell somebody about Jesus, and they reject you, or they reject the gospel? What's well, okay. Love on them anyway. Invite them to church. So Amanda and I were doing an outreach one time, and we were at this park in Orlando. And um, this, this, I love to, when I, when I tell people about Jesus, I always try to find situations where somebody is sitting down uh, somewhere. Because, you know, if, if you go to, like, the mall, most people are walking at the mall, and you try to stop them and tell them about Jesus, they're like, ah, oh, get out of here, and they just keep walking. So I try to find people that are sitting down, amen, and uh, try to find a captive audience. Well, she was sitting at the park because her child was playing on the playground. And, and so, you know, I, I was like, this is perfect, you know, perfect people to, to talk to because they can, they can sit and talk to me and keep their eyes on their kid on the playground at the same time, amen. And so we went up to her, and, and she just kind of looked down a little bit and went up to her, and we started telling her about Jesus. And I said, what do you know about Jesus? And she said, well... You know, uh, I grew up Catholic, but, you know, I don't know a whole lot about Jesus. And I said, can I tell you what I know about Jesus? She said, sure. And, and so I shared the gospel with her. And she said, you know, I was praying this morning, and, and I was really asking God for a sign. And, you know, maybe this is a sign. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, there's no coincidence. Like, this probably is a sign, you know. And, and I said, and I asked her, you know, we had this long conversation. And, and I said to her, I said, do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And even though she had prayed and asked God for a sign that morning, she didn't, get, she didn't want to get saved. I, I, I was like, what? So I tried. I kept pressing it, you know, a little bit. No, no, I, I'm not ready. I don't, I don't think I'm ready, blah, blah, blah. I said, that's okay. Look, tomorrow morning we're doing, uh, we have church at, at our church. And uh, it's right up the street from here. It's very close from here. I gave her a flyer for the church. And I said, why don't you come tomorrow morning? They've got this crazy international evangelist who travels all over the world preaching in Pakistan. He's going to be preaching tomorrow morning. <laughs> He's talking about myself. Amen. <laughs> she said, wow, really? Do they have? Well, well, well I, have my, I have my daughter. I said, that's okay. We even have child care for the children. Like you can bring your daughter and she can go and they'll teach her about Jesus in a separate room. And you can stay with the, with the congregation. And she said, wow, Really? I said, yeah, come on tomorrow. Listen, tomorrow's going to be awesome. You should really come. Because I knew I was the guest speaker and I was going to be preaching the gospel. Amen. So I said, if I don't get her today, I'm going to get her tomorrow in Jesus' name. Amen. And so she didn't know what was coming. Hallelujah. I gave her the flyer. She said, yeah, I, I think I'll come. I was like, please, please come. You, be, you would be like our honored guest. I would love to have you. And, and, you know, and if, I could, if you catch me before service, if you come early and catch me before service, we'll save you a seat. You know? And so sure enough, that morning, there we are. We're there early. And here she came into church with her daughter. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. So uh, we got her a seat, and we sat down, and the time came. And all of a sudden, they said, and we'd like to invite evangelist Chris Michelson to come to the platform. And I got up to preach, and she was like, what? <laughs> and so I, I preached that morning. I preached the crystal clear gospel. And, uh, and, and it was all scheduled that way anyway. You know, it wasn't, I didn't just do it just because of her. But I preached the gospel that morning. 
And that morning when I made the altar call for salvation, just like all those people that came up here this morning and got saved, she was one of the first ones at the altar, just weeping. God had touched her. The gospel touched her. And she got born again that day at church on Sunday. So listen, even if you can't get them saved, you know, in the streets, invite them to church. You know, it's not a coincidence that God put you and them in connection with each other. God's obviously trying to chase that person. He's obviously drawing them. The Bible says no one comes to Christ unless the Holy Spirit draws them. So God is obviously drawing that person, and he's put you in contact with them to share the gospel because he wants to get them saved. So don't just leave it right there. Invite them to church, you know. Uh, tell them, hey, I'll come and pick you up. You want me to come pick you up? You, you need a ride to church? I'll come pick you up. Do whatever you can. You know, hog tie them, throw them in the trunk. No, don't. <laughs> don't throw them in the trunk. <laughs> but do whatever you can to get them to church, Amen. I'm believing that this church is going to be every Sunday so full of sinners that Pastor Jordan has to just preach the gospel every Sunday because there's so many sinners coming to church every Sunday. He just can't preach anything else but the gospel. Amen. Amen. So, so I, she got radically saved. Well, then fast forward a few years later. I was preaching again at that church and and uh, by this point, I wasn't attending that church. I was attending, attending a different church, but still in great relationship. And, and that pastor had invited me back as a guest speaker. And so I was preaching one night at that church. And, and, and I got done preaching, and I'm walking out into the lobby. And this uh, woman that I'd never seen before comes running after me. And she says, you saved my sister. You saved my sister. You saved my sister. I said, ma'am, what are you talking about? I didn't save anybody. Jesus is the Savior. She said, no, you don't realize. You saved my sister's life. I said, what are you talking about? She said, a couple years ago, my sister was sitting at a park bench watching her little daughter play on that park bench. That morning, she told God she was done with life. She was going to commit suicide. She decided she was going to take her daughter to the park Watch her play one last time. And she cried out to God that morning and said, God, if you don't send me a sign, I'm done. There's people that are broken. Broken. In our community. She was a little, little black woman. I'm some white guy from Minnesota. Doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your gender, doesn't matter your background. There's people that are broken in our community. They need Jesus. And if you'll just bring the gospel to them, you'd never know what they're going through. Never know. Not only did she get saved, but she kept her life. She got so saved, she started coming to church. That church, every Sunday, she started telling her family members who were all Catholic about the church. They all started coming to the church. They all got saved. And they've been, they're still at that church today. They're still there serving God. Because one evangelist, one person went up to somebody and just simply wanted to tell them about Jesus. Amen. We don't need all the answers. We just need Jesus. And if you'll tell people about Jesus... God will use you everywhere you go. Listen, friends, you can do this anywhere you go. When I first came up with these three questions, I told my wife about it. She said, wow, that's great. And so here's how you remember it, right? I remember the first, the first uh, words in, the, in, in each sentence. What can I do? So what can you do? You can share the gospel. Amen. That's what you can do. Amen. And so I remember that. What can I do? And so I told my wife, she's like, wow, that's brilliant. I love that. So one day she was at Panera Bread and she was like, I want to tell somebody about Jesus today. So she was in line. I told you guys this before probably, huh? Or you saw it on Facebook. She said, what can I? She said, I want to tell somebody about Jesus. So she's standing in line at Panera. 
It's her turn to order. She goes up to the counter. There's some teenage girl standing behind the counter. Amanda's ordering her Panera Bread food, and she says to, says to the cashier, she says, hey, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. What do you know about Jesus? She said, I don't know anything about Jesus. She said, what was the, what can, can I, what can I do? Oh, yeah, what, can I tell you what I know about Jesus, right? So she, it's going through her mind. She's trying to remember, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? She said, can I tell you what I know about Jesus? She goes, kind of looks around. I mean, there's a line behind Amanda, like three people standing behind her that are waiting for Amanda to get done ordering. Can I tell you about Jesus? Sure. Right there at Panera Bread, Amanda, in about a minute or two, shares the gospel. In fact, actually, she first tried to share her testimony. How many of you have heard people say, you know, your testimony has power? Well, it's true, but it's not the gospel. You have to mix your testimony with the gospel. So first she shared her testimony. I was, a drug, uh, I, I was addicted to drugs and, and all this stuff, and, and, and Jesus came into my life, and I heard the gospel, and I got saved. And the, this little girl goes, well, I'm not a drug addict. I don't, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't really connect with me. And she realized the power is in the gospel, not just your testimony, because not everyone will relate to your testimony. So then she, she was like, oh, that's right. She said, well, well, Jesus died for the sin of the world. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and, and that the penalty for our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And if you'll turn to Jesus today, he'll save you. Do you, want, do you want Jesus to save you? She asked the last one, do you want to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior? And right there at Panera, the girl said yes to Jesus. She reached across the counter, grabbed her hand, prayed with her, and she received Jesus as her Lord and Savior at Panera Bread, on duty with a line standing behind Amanda, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, praise God. So the gospel is simple. We just have to step out and do it and share it everywhere we go. And so the power is in the gospel. And I found it interesting in Acts chapter 4, Peter gets arrested, he gets freed, then they're having a prayer meeting, and they pray and they say, Lord, let me just read it for you, I don't want to misquote it, but, but they prayed that God would give them boldness to preach the gospel. You remember this? Acts chapter 4, verse 29, they prayed and they said, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and to and that signs and wonders may be done through your holy servant Jesus. So they prayed and they said, Lord, give us boldness. How many of you feel like, I need some boldness to share the gospel? Amen. Amen. Well, you're not in bad company. Even Peter wanted some more boldness to tell people about Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit fell on them after they prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit was poured out a second time. At first, it was poured out in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. It was poured out a second time. They received a second dose of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That was a good spot to say amen. Let me try this. Out. They received a second dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I like this congregation on this side. I'm just teasing but they got filled up again with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to end tonight by laying hands on you and activating you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything. Hallelujah. But if you want to tell people about Jesus, if you want God to use you in any kind of way, if you're timid about it, or, or maybe you're, you're bold about it, but you say, Chris, I want some more boldness. I want to reach more people. I want to get more people saved. Well, I want to invite you tonight. Why don't you guys just please stand? Everyone stand here. Maybe we can put some background music on, some worship music on in the background here. And I want to invite you guys tonight to come down to the front. In just a moment, I'll, I'll, I'll make a call for you to come down. 
God wants to use you. There's people that you know that I'll never be able to preach to. There's people you know that may never want to come to church just because of an invitation to come to church. You know, some people have different ideas about church. They, maybe some, a lot of people are hurt by church. I, I think I shared last time I was here, but we, I was preaching the gospel and uh, we were doing an outreach and I, I saw this guy all tatted up, sleeves tore off his shirt, tattoos up and down. Found out after, uh, afterward, year, uh, a few weeks later, that he was actually involved with the mafia. He would go do jobs for the mafia. I mean, this was a bad dude. He looked bad, too, when I saw him. I went and shared the gospel with him. Long story short, he got radically saved that day that I shared the gospel with him. He told me later, he said, Chris, in fact, that day when I was talking to him about Jesus, he was... He was like, I hate God. He told me that. Like, I hate God. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. And, and all you Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. And I mean, he said a lot of nasty things about Jesus and Christianity the day that I first met him to try to get him saved. And I just listened. And I just loved on him. And I didn't let what he had to say bother me. I just let it roll off my back. And I just kept telling him about, that God loves him and God's got a plan for him. After about an hour of him being mad at me and Christianity and me trying to ask him if I could pray for him because I thought, you know what, if I can't get him saved, let me at least get my hands on him. Amen. If I get my hands on him, then the Holy Ghost can touch him. Amen. Because, you know, that's a, that's a good resort too. If you can't get somebody saved, just see if you can pray for him at least. Amen. And just pray. And don't pray, Lord, I pray that he would repent, you know. Just pray that God would touch him. Just pray blessing, you know? So after an hour of arguing with this, well, he was arguing, I wasn't. I was just listening and being kind and loving on him. I finally said to him, can I pray for you? Finally, he let me pray for him. God started touching him. Tears started coming down his cheek. He got born again that day. About a week or two later, we met up. I went and bought him a Bible. He didn't own a Bible. I got him a nice Bible and uh, started telling him about the Jesus and just teaching him the, the scriptures and everything. And uh, he said to me, he said, Chris, you know why I was so mad about God? I said, why? Because of the church. One time he felt rotten about his sin. He decided to go to church. Walked into a church, and there were two ladies that were greeters at the door. He came to church dressed like how he always dresses, sleeves ripped off his shirt, tattoos exposed. One of those little ladies put her finger in his face and said, how dare you come to church dressed like that? You turn around right now, go home and put on something respectable before you come to church. And his heart got hard. And he said, those hypocrites, they're all a bunch of, they're no different than me. And, you know, all this. And his heart turned against the church. I don't remember why I was even saying that. But we have to love people. We have to have compassion on them. Amen. Jesus had compassion on the lost. He didn't beat the lost down. He had compassion. He loved them. And so tonight, I want to, I want to invite you guys in just a moment to come down. If you want more boldness to tell people about Jesus, and I think we should all want more boldness to tell people about Jesus, I'm going to invite you to come down, and we're going to pray, and we're going to lay hands on you, and I'm going to believe for a supernatural impartation to come upon you that there would just be a boldness and an ease to sharing the gospel with people. So. Come on down. If you want that, you want God to touch you, you got, want God to give you boldness to tell people about Jesus, I want to encourage you. Yeah, come on down. Come all the way to the front. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you know, kids can come. Everyone can come. Hallelujah. There's, there's no age requirement to telling people about Jesus. Amen. Maybe you feel like inadequate. Well, you, you can't be adequate enough. Amen. 
If a heroin addict can tell somebody about Jesus and get them saved, he can use you too. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, come on forward. Amen. Praise God. Is this good tonight? Is this all right? Amen. Amen. You know, I think God's going to do something so special. You all brave this weather to come out here tonight. Hey, it's Montana. I grew up in Minnesota. I get it. I get it. But people don't want to come out when it snows. It's a good excuse to stay home. Amen. Well, the roads are bad. I'm just going to stay home. There's two inches of snow and you got four-wheel drive. Amen. Come on. And it's no excuse. Amen. And the snow plows are out. Amen. But I really believe God's going to give you a little extra tonight for your trouble. Amen. Amen. Because you stepped out and said, you know what? I'm not just going to stay at home. I'm going to go to that service. I'm going to go out. I believe God's going to do something special tonight. Amen. How many of you are praying and how many of you are believing for somebody to, let me say it this way. How many of you have a loved one in your life you're believing that God will get them, get them saved? I mean, pretty much every hand here. Amen. God's going to use you guys. He's going to use you. That mafia guy, <laughs> he told me a couple, I kept meeting up with him, you know, teaching him the Bible. After a few months, he said to me, he said, hey, one day we were meeting up on a Saturday. He said, last night my brother was admitted into the ER. They had to pump his stomach because he had overdosed. He almost died. He said, he's at my house. You think you could come do to him what you did to me that day you prayed for me? <laughs> I said, yeah, I could come. I said, I can't guarantee that that'll happen, but I'll come. I went to this guy's house. He brought his brother out. I did the same thing. What do you know about Jesus? Not a whole lot. Can I tell you about him? Sure. Told him about Jesus. I said, can I pray for you? He said, yes. Put my hand on him. Prayed for him. He just started weeping, weeping, weeping. I said, do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, yes. That guy got born again that day too. It was awesome. I'm believing we're going to hear testimonies after testimony after testimony of how you go away from this moment tonight and there's going to be people that get saved just because you go up and tell them about Jesus and love on them. Hallelujah. There's some people, sometimes all you have to do is just almost put your hand out underneath the tree and the fruit is so ripe. If you just give the tree a little shake, it'll fall right off. Sometimes that little shake is, what do you know about Jesus? Can I tell you what I know about him? You're just shaking the tree because they're so ready to say yes to Jesus. They just need somebody.